0: Everyone and welcome to the She Wolf podcast. I am Devaney Amber Wolf, your reluctant host. We are now in season three of She Wolf, where we will be exploring a variety of topics that are close to my heart at the moment, as opposed to the single theme format of the last two seasons. I want to take a moment before we begin to extend huge thanks to my growing Patreon community for supporting this podcast as without them, I would not be able to keep it free to the public. My Patreon is only $7 USD a month, about the same as a fancy Starbucks drink in this economy. I will never change the price and it is set that low so that it is accessible to as many folks as possible, as well as allowing for my own personal artistic manifesto to remain intact. And that manifesto is that of organic creativity. Being an artist in the public eye is very taxing for my chronically ill and autistic soul. And for many years, I pushed myself very hard so that I could get to where I am today. But in the long term, that pace that I was at is unsustainable. Creativity should be organic. It should ebb and flow in our society, especially With the rate at which we are pressured to perform in spaces like social media, the pace is way too fast. I and many other creators have burnt out, so my Patreon is geared towards creating at a mindful, organic pace. If you would like to join, I'm at patreon.com slash devanywolf, that's D-E-V-A-N-Y-W-O-L-F-E. Okay, so on to the topic at hand, let's dive in. This is something that I feel that a lot of us are wrestling with right now, and I'll get into the meat of it in a little bit, but I want to start by asking the question, the big question. What is the meaning of life? Is there inherent meaning, or do we contrive and invent it for the sake of soothing our existential tension? Do you believe in a blanket notion of what life's meaning is, be it love, compassion, progress, being quote unquote, good. Do you think that life's meaning is to be determined? Does it get revealed in our final moments or after our final moments? How is your sense of meaning driven by what you've been told it is or that it should be i.e. working, making money, security, capitalism, etc. Have you been able to find meaning in your life? And at what times and during which life events does that meaning fade? Does it ever fade? At what times is it robust? Does a sense of meaning change over the course of a life lived? And lastly, how do we uphold a sense of meaning through dark times? especially when the dark times are not just ours alone, but are shared by humanity at large? These are all very important questions, but today I want to explore the last inquiry in particular. We are in dark times, with more and more logs on the collective fire, literally and figuratively, each passing week. Everything from Roe v. Wade, to gun control, to climate change, to mass extinction, to inflation, to the pandemic. The ubiquitous message I keep hearing and also keep feeling myself is, how is it possible to continue on as if nothing's happening when the world is so deeply fucked up? And of course, the notion of to continue on has manifold meaning. Anywhere from how do I continue going to work and paying bills to How do I go on, period? Like, at all? And to me, it is all derived from a loss of meaning, a loss of purpose, and a loss of that genuinely vital existential foundation upon which we forge our skeletons, the very bones of our why. The how of life is often secondary to us. We blink our eyes open for the first time as babies and we are alive. We don't necessarily begin questioning how all of it has come to be for some time. And furthermore, the how of it all, despite how incredibly invigorating it is to think about, and may imbue us with a sense of meaning is relatively unimportant in comparison to the why. When we view a tree, we are simply enjoying its presence and its shade, not necessarily how it came into being, how it works or how it relates to us. The same goes for all of life. We as humans with our self-reflective consciousness sit in a world in all of its magic, mystery, and magnificence, and we don't necessarily wonder that we're here, we wonder why we're here. And again, it's a very important question. For myself, I enjoy keeping things open i am not religious and i do not follow any practices or guides on how to navigate the metaphysical realm i personally feel openness is important as it leaves room for what could be as opposed to deciding what is concretely never allowing new information or inspiration to trickle in my own sense of meaning and purpose lies in love and service to others And allowing my body and spirit to guide me into the things that I find the most joy in. Experiencing vast amounts of joy lends itself to meaning and purpose. That sustained elation is good brain chemistry for keeping the existential woes at bay. But of course, that doesn't mean that the things that you find the most joy in are life's meaning and purpose, because it differs for everyone. Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss. And by that, he didn't mean line up in single file into the bliss machine where everyone comes out a carbon copy of each other. However, this is more or less what our society dictates to us. We certainly all have different jobs and careers, ways of making a living. Some are grueling, some are perhaps not. Others still may provide a sense of joy. But the thread that weaves through all of our professions is that of time and energy our two most precious and finite resources, essentially all we have to give, yes? Time and the energy spent in that time. Our strength, our attention, our capacity, our intelligence, our compassion, all poured over the road of time. And all of our roads have a dead end at some point. We are not imbued with immortality and endless vital youth, These resources get used up eventually. And given that we spend much, if not most, of our adult lives in some kind of money-making endeavor, we often seek to find meaning in our work and the way our culture is set up with productivity, seemingly for the sake of it, to earn a few select few endless fat stacks. At the heart of the machine, we have sought to find meaning in productivity even if it is not even whatsoever for our spiritual, emotional, or existential gain. Even if it is simply to line the pockets of other people whose notion of meaning and purpose is to gain ever more until their legacy far outlasts them. Capitalism is a system of desperation for 99% of its members. The system has been developed so that more more education, more skills, more professional ability, more productivity, is the concept geared to make us salivate. There is no end to the more, there is just more. And this reminds me of something one of my favorite thinkers of all time, Alan Watts, said, which I will read here. He said, my goodness, don't you remember when you first went to school? You went to kindergarten. In kindergarten, The idea was to push along so that you could get into first grade and then push along so you can get into second grade third grade and so on going up and up and then you went to high school and this was a great transition in life and now the pressure is being put on you must get ahead you must go up the grades and finally be good enough to get to college and then when you get to college you're still going step by step step by step up the great moment in which you will be ready to go out into the world. And then when you get out to this famous world, comes the struggle for success in profession or business. And again, there seems to be a ladder before you, something for which you're reaching for all the time. And then suddenly, when you're about 40 or 45 years old, in the middle of life, you wake up one day and say, huh, I've arrived and by Joe, I feel pretty much the same as I've always felt. In fact, I'm not so sure that I don't feel a little bit cheated. Because you see, you were fooled. You were always living for somewhere where you aren't. And while, as I said, it is of tremendous use for us to be able to look ahead in this way and to plan, there is no use in planning for a future, which when you get to it and it becomes the present, you won't be there. You'll be living in some other future which hasn't yet arrived. And so in this way, one is never able actually to inherit and enjoy the fruits of one's actions. You can't live at all unless you can live fully now. And that's the end of the quote from Alan Watts. We've been indoctrinated into thinking that more is better, when in reality we're often making more for someone else. And contributing to wastes and landfills and microplastics and monocrops and factory farming and corporations that don't have the interests of the planet, its health, diversity, sustainability, or really anything else positive in mind. We make our money, however much it is, and invest it back into an economy that harms us and the planet. We are stuck in a hamster wheel of toxicity. Yet because we are... Also completely reliant upon it, we tape or glue our existentialism haphazardly to it wherever and however we can, assuming that there must be meaning to our jobs and our race towards death because everyone else is doing it too. And it often isn't until we are middle-aged, as Alan Watts pointed out, with this notorious midlife crisis that we wake up at all to the woes of this way of being, But by then, we are often too entrenched in debt and in this lifestyle to change it. In my mind, this is a true break with authenticity and reality that harms us on a core level. When you cannot reconcile something vital with yourself, a gut instinct to the deepest depths of the self, knowing fundamentally that something isn't right yet, slogging on anyway. It is, at its root, a self-betrayal. Now, that's not to make us feel guilty or bad for this betrayal, but it is inherent in our society. And when this act takes place on a mass scale, and it is systemic, you have a society that is fundamentally sick, It is consuming and excreting small amounts of poison every day, literally and figuratively. It adds up. And this is at least partially why you see so much more illness and in particular autoimmunity than ever before. I reference Mate quite frequently because I believe him to be one of the most brilliant people out there pioneering the mind-body relationship and the trauma and chronic stress relationship to illness. And one of his main points that he's revolving a lot of his other arguments around is authenticity, either our ability to be authentically ourselves or not as the root of a lot of illness. He cites it in terms of growing up in abusive households, having to walk on eggshells around angry parents, and therefore having a splintered relationship with that emotion ourselves, having to repress parts of ourselves in order to fit in, being afraid of being too much or conversely too little, etc. But, I mean, are you sensing a theme here? Because isn't much of this reflected in our jobs, later in life, in our capitalist society that leads us into inauthenticity as well. And the splinter within, which is how I personally visualize inauthenticity, or rather the inability to be inauthentic, because inauthenticity might imply that there's some sort of willfulness there, or awareness there that uh, we are being inauthentic. The splinter drives a wedge into the core self. One side splinters off from the other. The authentic self is unpaired from the inauthentic, and both sides must somehow from this juncture learn how to cooperate. The authentic self must become quieter and quieter in order for the inauthentic to function. The voice of the authentic self becomes an echo inside of the structure that has become hardened in order to survive. In its genuine desire to still be part of things, the ever quieter authentic self may supply the other side with hopefulness, saying something like, well, this is not how I pictured my life on earth, but I'm going to find meaning in it and what I'm doing here. But eventually, if this is not possible or if it is insufficient, the authentic self, which takes firm root in the body and in the nervous system, gives out. Illness unfolds, dysregulation, disease, burnout, mental illness, and on it goes. Autoimmunity is just one of the many forms of dysregulation, but it is one of the most metaphorical and poetic, as it is quite literally the body attacking its own tissues. I could not think of a stronger message or lesson to be learned here. But of course, the aforementioned poison we are ingesting doesn't just come from our splintered psyches and the vitriolic nature of living in a world where people are reduced to their egos and survival instincts constantly. It also physically comes from the ways in which we poison the earth, of course. Environmental toxins are at an all time high. There are actually microplastics in our blood now. It's all quite traceable. The COVID pandemic ushered in new awareness of this splinter and the indoctrination of meaning than most of us have known in a long time. Being home, many out of work for a period, it forcibly slowed us down and got us thinking, is this the world we envisioned? Is this the life we desire? It was a break in the clouds where for a time we could see the heavens, even with the realm of collective horror and mortal fear and death pressing in on all sides. It was a very traumatic way to see the stars, but we did nonetheless. And having our faces glued to our phones more than ever during that time, and with more time on our hands, allowed us to take note of issues that have long gone untended to in our minds and hearts on a systemic level. For many of us, it was the first time that we were afforded this space and time to think. It was the first time that collectively, we got to really question, is all of this global horror really going to just go on and on? And we have to continue pretending that it's all okay by continuing to contribute to the very system that's causing all of this suffering. It was perhaps even the first time that many people actually felt the present moment in their lives, sort of a forced mindfulness. So, What happens when this mindfulness, this heightened awareness of this toxicity of the system, what happens when this awakening itself is splintered? Because as I've said many times before, awakening is something that you cannot revoke. When you awaken to something, when you become aware of something, it takes a lot of force to crumple that piece of paper again and to throw it away and never think about it. It will eat at you. If you become aware of something, if you become heightened to something, then you are going to eventually be confronted with those truths and those realities that the awakening is ushering in. And so if you have an awakening and it is splintered, What happens when you receive a glimpse of a life that is perhaps far more in alignment with the one that feels unhealthy to you and you cannot tend to it? This, I feel, is the dissonance that we find ourselves in now. 2.5 years into the pandemic that most are acting like is over was enough time for us to begin breaking down the indoctrination, but not enough time to see the awakening through. Not especially since capitalism is the backbone of our society and how it has been running for lifetimes. And you cannot simply overthrow a system in such a short amount of time, barring mass riots and all out anarchy. But most of the population would have to be on board for such an endeavor. And of course, As we are all aware, the overarching narrative that has been haunting us is, it's time to get back to normal with even more added pressure because we must now make up for lost time, AKA time lost during the pandemic. This pandemic where millions of people died, where there was collective fear and grief large enough to fill the Pacific Ocean. Fear and grief that many people have not even begun to process especially if they lost loved ones because the way the pandemic was handled in most places often, often emphasized what getting back to normal as quickly as possible not allowing for the human animal to be to grieve to exist without any sort of organic undulation the more and more and more of capitalist drive continued to outweigh the needs of the animal body. And here we stand, gobsmacked, resentful, many of us seething either in a very obvious way or under the surface, depressed, apathetic, burnt out. Having had a glimpse at a slower-paced life where gardens could be tended to, poetry could be written, Reveries could make more appearances, daydreams, quality time, intimacy, and perhaps most importantly, as the antithesis to capitalist culture, interdependence, the direct and clear knowledge that we are all in fact interdependent. Capitalism congratulates the symbolism of independence, autonomy, not needing anybody else as it upholds the ideology that we stay in our lanes and create more and more and more in competition with one another. We don't help, we don't share resources, we don't support. We have scripted conversations where, oh, I'm great, thanks, how are you? is the only accepted answer for our intermittent check-ins. We know on some primal level, the level in which the body's wisdom emanates, that this is not right, none of it is. The glimpse that we are given has pried open that internal eye even more. We see another way, but we are unsure about how to pave it. In our sick burnouts, we may completely lack the energy to be imaginative, let alone to be action-oriented in order to map out the new world. So, what do we do How do we move away from this indoctrinated meaning into building what really drives our souls and brings joy to the fore? I don't have all the answers. I only know what works for me. And so I will say that we rest. We allow space and time for daydreaming. We work on saying no to whatever harms us. We slowly deprogram our systems from the need to always produce something and to be relevant in a society that does not care about us. We utilize the power that we do have in our choices. We resist through whatever means necessary. We trust that we are interdependent and allow our actions to follow suit. We rely on one another for support. We divest from notions of uber-autonomy. We become anarchists, abolitionists. We allow resistance to swell up in our hearts so much that it becomes a part of our sense of meaning and purpose in this life. And above and beyond all else, we allow our animal bodies to do what they love because in this love lies joy, and in this joy lies our own meaning, our own bliss. This cannot be indoctrinated, nor can it be taken away from us, no matter what hellish landscape exists in the imagination of a few rich white men. So that's it for today. Thank you for going on this heart and mind journey with me. I'm not sure when the next episode will come up, because as was mentioned in terms of the idea behind the Patreon, which is the idea behind myself as an artist, period, these days, is creating organically, not on a schedule, creating via inspiration. So I hope that this has been resonant in some way. I look forward to speaking with you again. And I hope that you all are doing as okay as possible in this world that is unraveling before us. And until next time, love and wolves.